Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company is or how big the team. We showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exployant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. If you're one of the 97% of sales leaders that have a sales process but don't have a structured one-on-one coaching process, check out Exvoyant today. The Exvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones with each rep can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that change careers and your organization almost immediately. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every single rep on your team improve by at least 10% this year, Exvoyant can help you grow faster than you ever thought possible. We appreciate each of our listeners and are committed to introducing you to the most innovative, most successful sales leaders in the world. If you like what you hear, please keep those reviews coming on your favorite podcast sites. Your reviews make it easier for more people to find this show and be introduced to those sales success blueprints that have helped so many. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined for, by a sales industry icon. We are in for a sweet treat. My man, Keenan is one of the most influential voices in sales. If you are in sales, you know who he is. If you don't know who he is, you are new to sales. He lives sales. He speaks it. He writes about it. And... He has two best-selling books you need to read. The first one is Not Taught. The second one is the bestseller on top of all the charts right now, Gap Selling. And today, he is here to talk about it. Okay, buckle up all. The volume and the tempo is, a, and the tempo is about to go up. Keenan, my man, welcome to our show, and thanks for joining us. What's up, baby? What's up? Hey, I am so glad you're here. You are you are crushing right now. Your your book is on the top of every chart. I know you're speaking about it everywhere. It's also SKO time. Uh, you're out doing that thing. For you to join us for a half an hour, dude, thank you so much for, for joining a couple thousand sales leaders to share some knowledge. Come on, dog. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's going to be fun. It is. Like, every time we get together, it's fun. So for the people that are new to sales or have been living under a rock and haven't heard you at a conference or read your LinkedIn posts or seen your videos or, or read either of your books, which, you know, not, t- not taught was a, was a game changer. I can't wait to talk about the one that's just destroying the charts right now. Can you just share your story so they know who you are and, and why you're here? Well, my story. I always hate talking about myself. Um, uh, look, I, I've been selling for years, right? I, I, I knew that I could sell when I was really young because I was really good at influencing people, whether it was going to the bars that I wanted to, whether it was playing the sport I wanted to play on the, on the recess field, whether it was getting a job, like getting a job at a fine dining restaurant when I was 16, when everybody else was in their mid twenties and I was doing table side wine service in a, in a really, really, really high end restaurant called Chantrell's on Cape Cod. No matter what it was, I could always make things happen. So it was just a natural progression to get into sales. And after doing really, really well, I started a blog in 2009 and posted every day for 712 days before anybody knew who I was. 
And then all of a sudden, after about two years, everybody was hitting me up. You know, I read your blog. I need your help. I need your help. So I started a sales guy, and here I am. There's the short version. All right, that short version is a good one because it leads to a couple things. A sales guy is a place that everybody should be following. Killer content. You give away a lot of great stuff that, like my sales team uses your stuff. You, you, you've helped our sales team get better just by reading your stuff. But what I want to talk about right now to get started, there's two big topics we're going to get into that I think that you are uniquely qualified for, brother. You speak everywhere. You're one of the most followed thought leaders. Uh, you've trained some of the biggest sales teams in the world. You just released your second book. The first was Not Taught, which I love, uh, Blueprint for How to Win in the Modern Sales Era. Congratulations on that. But what you're here to talk about today is the new one, Gap Selling. It is crushing. Bestseller on Amazon, Audible, and honestly, uh, Keenan, everyone's telling me that's read it. It's changing their game. And so I have ordered it. I can't wait for it to come. I'm excited to dig into it. But what I was hoping you could talk about today is what's Gap Selling all about, man? So I love that question. And, and in the interest of time, I'll, I'll try to be brief and then you take me where you want to take me. So here's the deal. Most sales training, in my opinion, has been tactical, right? Do this. Make the call this way. Respond to, respond to an objection this way. Or they talk in really high level, like show value or find the pain or, you know, find the need. But no one really explains what that actually means and what that actually is. And so after evaluating my selling methodology and the selling methodology of other people, I find it finally hit me. And what it's about is this. At the end of the day, every single transaction, every single transaction we make that has any type of consideration, whether it's bartering or whether it's dollars and cents, is somebody looking to change. They are unhappy with their current state, and they want to change to a new future state, right? <clears throat> so I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. If that is how we think about buying something or making a transaction, then the selling process should map that. And so what Gap Selling recognizes and does is, says, look, the, the way people buy is they need to understand their current state and what's happening in it today and why they're not happy with it and what's going on and what the problems are and what the impact of the problems are. And then they need to evaluate and assess what is the desired future state? What problems do they want to go away? What's the impact to their organization if those problems go away? How does it change their world? What does the new world look like? What are the new desired outcomes? And then once you have that, the space in between is the gap. And that's what we should actually be focused on is that gap. But no one's ever taught anybody how to actually build that. So most people sell to what I call the future state. And I do exercise with sales teams all the time. And they get to the future state so fast they can't help themselves. But if you're not comparing the future state with the current state, you have no clue into the size of the problem. You have no clue into the sense of the urgency. You have no clue into um, the reason of motive, what I call the intrinsic motivation to change. And that's why salespeople lose deals all the time mm. because they don't really know what they're selling. Mm. And that's what gap selling is about. Okay, so that – I love that. I, I mean, there's a million questions that I want to take this to now, brother. I, I look at this, but you started with something that I want to back up to. I'm pushing pause. You said most sales training is tactical, and I agree. You've probably seen some of the same stats I have that you know the failure rate of most sales processes and sales training initiatives is remarkably high. And people get into this world of how many new deals can I get that will justify the pay uh, that we're going to ha uh, have for this training rather than how do I get my sellers better is one of the reasons why sales training fails so often is it's just too tactical? Is, is that, is it as simple as that, Jim? 
or Keenan yeah, Sutter should never call you that. Sorry. I think I think I think it's both, but I mean I think it's I think it's primarily that, right? In that it's very tactical, so it, it lacks context. Context matters. Yes. So when people start, yes, when people start running around trying to leverage a, a, a tactic they learn somewhere, if the context isn't right, they look like idiots, right? It doesn't fit. It's uncomfortable. Secondly, a tactic is is sort of like a shot in the arm. It only lasts for a few minutes and then it goes away, right? So you're not you're not fundamentally changing someone's selling process. You're, you're, you're just inserting a little kick into a certain situation. And if they're not paying attention to the situation, um, they're going to get it wrong. They're going to miss it. And if they are paying attention to the situation and they use it, they're probably going to use it wrong or it's only a shot in the arm. And it's not going to help with the rest of the sale. It's, it's rarely very complete, right? It's, it's just a bunch of tactics people string together. Yeah, and I'd buy that. So instead of saying, am I in the right box or am I in the right letter of this acronym or what do I do and say here? It's not what do you do and say. It sounds like what you're bringing to the table, Keenan, is a new way of thinking for people. Yes, and, yes. And that's why I love it. You're bringing a new way of thinking. And if you think about that customer and think about them differently, rather than thinking about, well, what am I supposed to do or say at this part of the process? But instead of think about customers fundamentally differently, you can have a fundamentally different impact with them. Am, am I hearing that right? You're absolutely hearing that right. Look, one of the things that we talk about often and we say in the, in the subtitle is this is about problem-centric selling, not mm. product-centric selling. Almost all selling is product-centric. Think about some of the words we've used in the past. What is your elevator, spe- elevator speech or elevator pitch, right? Don't ever ask me to pitch. I won't pitch. Because a pitch is is basically throwing spaghetti against the wall. That's a product centric selling methodology, right? Um, doing a demo nine out of ten times is a product centric selling methodology. Asking someone fifteen minutes of their time to talk about how your product can solve this problem or that problem—that's product centric. People need to be problem centric and begin to uh, assess their ability to not only understand what problems the customer is having but also the impact of those problems on the company. And when you start focusing on that, you increase the probability of a sale. Okay, so salespeople are, I think one of the reasons they get to that future state so uh, so quickly is there's got to be a dozen reasons. You'll know more than me because you think about this every day. But part of it is they're thinking about what they're going to sell. They're thinking about yes. getting to ROI rather than salt, you know, that filling that gap. I, I can see so many metaphors. What is a salesperson or a sales leader listening to you right now? And they're thinking, okay, this is interesting. What are some of the key things that leaders ought to be talking about to their team to have a new way of thinking rather than just be, what am I going to sell? Yes. Okay. I loved how you ended that. They have to stop thinking about what they're trying to sell. Everything your sales, I got a hundred percent in most cases, everything that your sales organization is built around is what are you going to sell, right? Not, so here's an example. When you, when people first come on and they go through onboarding, what do you train them in? Product. Thank you. How much time is dedicated to training them in the world of your buyer? What problems does your buyer suffer from? Why do those problems exist and what is the impact of those problems should they exist that your product or service solves? How much time is spent teaching people that? So let me flip that question around to you, bro. You've been doing this for a long time. I love it. I just wrote down on my notepad problem training. How many companies that you work with and you see actually do do problem training? Because I bet it's a small number. Yeah. None. None. 
I got 100%. And I, I love you, but I understand if you're honest, I bet your company doesn't do it either. No, we don't. No, we and don't that, have formal and, problem training. You're right. And, and yet, and yet, okay, here's another one for you, right? Putting you on the spot. You, you train, um, you, you offer coaching um, support, right? Yep. Have to make coaching better. What are the three major critical problems that, and I'm supposed you, you do this for salespeople, or I'm sorry, I should know this, for sales uh, leaders or all types of organizations? Uh, we work only with sales leaders in okay. three, in three or four different specific markets. Yep. Okay. What are the three major business problems that sales leaders have because of poor coaching? So it's different in every one, uh, but I'll tell you the ones that we see most commonly. Uh, one of them is the percentage of reps that are participating in hitting goal. That's a big one for them. Yep. Um, yep. Another one is just inconsistency in what coaching means. When people are inconsistent. Okay, that's with, not a problem. That's not a problem. That's well, a symptom. Yeah, interesting. That's right? interesting. Okay, well, that's interesting. A business problem, right? And so then, so then what I would say the problem that creates is, is, uh, retention of reps is a really important one. Good. Yep. That's two. Okay. That's good. Yep. And a third one that I would say, cause it's hard for me to limit to three, but I, I, I think what I would say is, um, and, and now you got me thinking because I don't want to say it as a symptom because I know what I'm going to say. You're going to call me on it and call it a symptom, brother. And, well, what, uh, say, it, say it. I'll tell you if it is or isn't. T- tell me. Well, what I'm saying is, is for the leaders, they wonder, how do I have, how do I become relevant to every rep on my team? That's what I want to know. Okay. How am I relevant uh, to every rep on my team? How do I know I can make them call it 10% better? Okay. But, so what I, uh, that, uh, okay. That one is, that one is a symptom in, in, so what I would I would push you towards more is that could be something about ineffective cultures, okay. right? Yeah. That could be lack of mo- morale in the team, right? Yep. That could be um, lack of um, what's what I'm looking for. A problem could be um, lack of communication or lack of connectivity or something. You know, I'm looking for something along the lines of the leadership to connect with the with the sales team and create energy and momentum and a positive culture and driving it. And so there's something in there. I need more time to think about that. But yep. I would probably go with a weak culture or uh, the weak perception of management or lack of following or something like that. That's a let me, let me give you another one, though. We just won a couple of really big global deals around that I'll be interested to get your take on. They, one of the business problems they want is they needed a mechanism. So whenever they did new initiatives like gap selling or rolling anything else, how do I know that I have a way of getting it to the reps in a way that will be adopted? Because whenever we roll anything okay. out. All right, now stop. Happen. Notice what you did here. There is a problem there, but notice you used the words that they wanted to accomplish something. Yeah. That's not a problem. Interesting. Okay. Because my customers think it's a problem. That's interesting because they are telling us we don't have a way of knowing how effectively we're rolling things out, and we want to Okay, that's that's a problem. We don't have a way to do something, right? Right. We can't do something. I'll go with that's a problem. But you said it's they wanted when you minute you say they wanted this, uh, that's product centric selling. I love it. I love it, dude. This is awesome. Right? So, so problem centric selling is we can't. How do you say it? we can't roll out new training? Um, is that what programs? Program anything. We can't roll anything out. We're so big. We don't know how effective we are in getting people to use things. We just don't. Know. Okay. So if I was, what would you add to that? It's not just the rolling out. There's another piece that should be added to that. Tell me. When you roll something out, what are you doing? We're trying to get them to change. Yes. Okay. Yes. But, but think of the company. When the company's rolling, think about from a problem. This is why problem centric selling is so important. When you're a company and you're rolling something out and you don't know if it's being, um, how well it's being, 
out, if it's being, um, what's the word I'm looking for, absorbed, if people are um, uh, adopting it, that's what I'm looking for, adopting it, using it, and, and the impact is being measured, what is, what is being lost? Hmm, when they're, what's being lost? I, okay, what's I, I'm not sure. It? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, let me put it this way. When, when, I, when you pay for training, yep. what are you doing to your, to your sales organization? When you pay for training, you're taking them out of the field, first of all, and, you're, and yeah, then you're no, asking Yes, them. yes, but what yeah. are you doing first? What is that? You're Think telling about them. it in financial terms. What's that called? You're investing in them. Yes, okay. right there. There's the problem. They can't track their investment. Got it. That's the business problem, dog. <laughs> By the way, Tori, listen, I told you the tempo and the volume was going up, baby. I love it. Keep going, right, Keenan. I love it. Yeah, this that is, good. is the business problem. Organizations are unable to track the training investment that they make, and they're concerned that they're losing money or they're not maximizing the investment, which means money's lost. I like it. Amen. That's, you got me. That's a problem. So my, the reason I put this out to you is, is we don't think this way. So imagine, and now here's another one, right? What happens when, when an organization, what's the impact, right, of not being able to track the investment? There's like six different things. It could be lost money. It could be actually, like you said, lost attrition because they didn't realize it wasn't sinking in and people were, were, weren't taking it and were moving. It could be, um, um, uh, wasted time and wasted time of resources. So you got people running around doing shit. Right, so it could be all this waste. So I'd have all this impact of this waste. It could be money that could be spent on a tool that wasn't spent on a tool. So I could, you know, I could mess with all of this, and that's the impact, right? So imagine you have a whole bunch of these, and now when people come into your organization and they're new and they're salespeople, you sit them down and you educate them in all of that, and three, four, five, six, seven of those. Then you teach them your product, and when they go out into the field, the conversations they start having are going to be around what you taught them. It's like, hey, are you comfortable knowing how solid a return you get in your training investments? Love it. Love it. Now the customer wants to talk to you. They don't want to talk to you about ex-voyant, but they will certainly talk to you about losing money in training investments, Absolutely, if it's a problem they have. Yeah, no, you're right. We, We just won a couple of global deals because of what you just said. Exactly that. And, yeah, so, uh, but they brought the problem to me. And, and uh, I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be lying if I told you we took the problem to them. So now you know that you can go so that's find my question. that in other people. Yeah. yeah, so that's my question. So is, is it become we take problems to people? Uh, how, how do you start institutionalizing this? Because I love it, dude. You got me fired up. I'm ready to get off this freaking uh, Zoom with you right now. I'm gonna go, I want to go sell something right now, dude. And... <laughs> and uh, uh, so how, how, do you, how do you help organizations institutionalize that? So, look, what I do is I sit down with them and I start pushing them first on all the problems they solve, and I make them go through uh, the problem identification chart, right? And we, we build those, and it's what I call it a pick in the book, right? And um, I force them, basically it's three columns, and the first column is all the problems that your product or service solves. Then the next column is the impact that those problems can uh, have on an organization if the problems exist. I think I said that right. So it's the impact the problems have if they exist in the organization. And then finally, the last one is why those problems exist in the first place or what I call the root causes of those problems, right? And if you write all of that stuff down for every single major problem or medium-sized problem you solve, and then you educate the sales team in that, and you have the sales team have that next to them at, at their desk, and if marketing has that, then all you start doing is talking in those terms, start asking questions in those terms, you start building content around those types of things, 
And now all you do is live, breathe, and bathe in the problems. And the solutions come naturally. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. So, okay, so now you got me really thinking, Keenan. So people are so immersed in products instead of problems. Uh, we're going to have people say, how the hell do I start doing problem training? How do I immerse and bathe in the problems? I love your language that you use. That's awesome. Um, any, any tips, any best practice on how you get started going down here? Cause I, I guarantee you, uh, we got people listening to you right now, dude, their eyebrows are up, their heads nodding. They're like, yes, what he's saying. Uh, go. I mean, what's the first thing is it, is it as simple as making that list that you talk about? Here's the problems that we're good at solving or the results we're good at achieving. Is it really that simple to start and start understanding those? Yes. And here's the key piece though. Okay, very interesting. You said, do we start with the problems? And then you went to, then the solutions we're going to be, um, and the solutions we're going to have. No, solutions is future state, right? No, so I, no, I said results we want to achieve. I'm sorry, I didn't say that right. Yeah, so results, I results we want to achieve. No, yeah. keep that out too. Okay. The results we want to achieve, all, keep that out. Like that comes secondarily, right? Ah, because that's okay. going to be unique for every company. But the problems that you can solve are finite, because your product can only solve so many product and problems, right? Right. So that's finite. So you want to stay in the current state. And so what I tell people is, first and foremost, if you don't know the problems you solve, I, I don't even know where to begin, right? Because uh, I, I don't know how you're in business. But look, if you're a big company and and or even a small company that, and you've lost sight of what the problems you solve, just sit back and ask yourself, okay, what does my product do? And what problems does it solve? What problems exist that make my product, that my product makes go away? It's almost like a, like the, you know, a drug. Someone's got a headache. My problem gets rid of it. My product gets rid of the headache problem product, right? Yeah. So you got to know that. Secondarily, if you have, go to product, like go into product. Cause when they built, this is the cool part. When product built the product, they knew there was a problem they were trying to solve. Now, right. whether it's a big problem, a little problem, I can't speak to because sometimes people solve little problems and the product doesn't sell. But they knew what they were trying to solve in the first place, so get with them or get with the owner, right? You guys knew what type of problems you were trying to solve. And then finally, get with the customer. If at the end you still don't get it, go to your customers and ask them what problems that they no longer struggle with, what problems have they solved, what things are going on that, that this resolved for them, and why did they like it so much? And stick to the problem. It's awesome. All right, so we're not problem centric enough. We give it lip service, uh, but it's really it's really something we're just trying to see. Is there something here, and then move on to what we do? Am I? That's what I hear you saying. That's why I, I find myself doing when you put me on the spot, and I love it. I, I love that you did that to me. Uh, do you feel like that's like rampant for salespeople? They pay, they pay lip service to it. Rampant. It is. It is so ingrained in our DNA to sell the future state and get to the solution as fast as we can so we can start talking about our product that it costs us billions of dollars in sales. I literally live for finding the problem. I had a sales call the other day, um, and the first thing the guy did was he got on the phone and said, tell me about what you're doing. Tell me how you do your training. They want gap selling training. And uh, I said, I'd love to, but hey, you might have asked a couple of questions first. He said, no. And then what? the rest of the four, he said, do you mind if I ask questions? He said, no, no problem. <laughs> no. He didn't mind. Okay. Oh, okay. No, I thought you said, yeah. no, you can't. I thought you said, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I, like, I wouldn't have worked with him. <laughs> so he said, no problem. And I said, great. And I spent the next 45 minutes asking him about his business and how much I learned would blow your mind. 
Like I learned that they had just added a new outbound team. I had learned that they had never had, um, uh, had any formal training before. I had learned that 99% of their business was all inbound. I had learned they didn't even have a sales team until three years ago. I learned that this guy that called, that introduced me to this person making the decision is a, um, uh, read my book and that's why he got me in and he's brand new. I learned the CEO's been there less than six months and he's kind of tinkering in sales and because he, he sees himself as a sales guy. I mean, I learned so, oh, I learned what their goals are for the future. I learned how far away from those goals are. I learned that they don't have a formal methodology. Like I learned and learned and learned and learned and learned and learned. And when I was done, I had to sell gap selling training for approximately 90 seconds because I understood his organization. Oh, I get your problem here. This got to be causing trouble here. Do you find this difficult? And just in my questions alone, in assessing their current problems, he believed and understood that I could solve them because I could find them. Say that again. Your ability to find a problem makes them have confidence in your ability to solve the problem. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Can you say that one more time for our listeners? That's a great drop. I want to make sure they don't miss it. I think that's a really big aha moment. My ability to, or let me phrase this, for you salespeople, your ability to help a prospect understand and find their problems and, or understand or to find their problems helps them believe that you can solve their problems. So is current state more important than future state to you? A hundred times more important. Now let me freeze. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> I love you, dude. This is firing me up. I can't tell you how excited yes. I am. This is awesome. Here's the reason. Yes, it's more important because one, yes, it's like, okay. In the equation, future state, current state, future state gap, it's, yeah. it's, I'm going to say it's, how do I do this? I've got to do quick math. 40, 30, 30. It's 10% more important than the other two, right? Okay. Um, in the scheme of selling today, it's 80% more important because nobody gets it. It takes longer to get, and it takes the greatest skill. Future state, we're already conditioned to do it. It's when you look, it, it, we're already conditioned to do it, and it's what people are begging for. They're being pulled to the future. People don't like to spend time in the shit, right? Nope. But once they do, they start feeling better. So that's why in the bigger scheme, it's 80% more important. Nice. All right, yeah. so let's shift to sales leaders. I'm a sales leader. I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking, crap. You know, I'm like, damn it. We are problem selling. We are not problem selling. We are product selling. I guarantee you that most of my audience right now is going, they're like working out. They're driving the car. They're whatever. They're like, I got to get more problem oriented. And so now I'm not talking to a salesperson. I'm talking to a sales leader. How do I shift my organization from being a product centric organization to a problem centric organization as a leader now, not just as the individual. I only got to worry about me. I got to worry about everyone. Any top of mind, best practices on that? Yes, absolutely. It all starts with pipeline review, the CRM and deal, um, deal strategy or deal review. So, so what does that mean? All right. So first and foremost in the CRM, people need to start describing and putting the information in after meeting what the current state is, what the future state is, and what the gap is, right? So one of the things I do all the time with clients is, you know, I'll be sitting in on a deal review, and the manager will be asking, tell me about this deal, and the salesperson says, oh, we're going to close it next week, or I'm just waiting on this, or they're really interested in this, and they love this, and blah, 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 all future state shit. And I simply say, what's the problem? Rather what's than what's the opportunity right now, what do we put in CRM? I'm just running through it, Keenan. We put in what's the expected close date? What's the deal size? What's the next step? Yeah, you're saying forget all of that. What's the freaking problem? 
Yeah, I'm okay with that stuff in addition, but what's I always say, what's the problem and why do they want to buy? And you yeah. want to watch the sales team squirm? They have no idea. They might say something like, oh, well, they're, they're not happy with their current training, right? That's, it'll usually be product-centric, or they're not happy with their current whatever you're saying. They're not happy with their current CRM, or they're not, they, don't, they don't have a coaching process. That's what they'll tell you. That's yeah. what the problem is. And I'm like, no, 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 that is not the problem. That is not the problem. So in the world of coaching, I'm going to guess if, if you're doing this right, you say, what's the problem? Their, their attrition has doubled. Yeah. Or they've, they've, the problem is they keep investing in training every year and numbers aren't going up. Yeah. Um, the, it's, the problem is they have a really shitty culture and people, I said attrition, but people leaving or, uh, people revolting or they can't keep managers around or, 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 or. That's yeah. the problem. And that problem became so painful that they either reached out to you and or listened to you when you cold called them to see if they could make the pain go away. And that then becomes the intrinsic motivation to solve the problem. So then I said, I'm going to say, great, and that's the problem. What's the impact to the organization? And then they really get all bewildered. What do you mean the impact? Like, what's the impact? So you said the problem is that they have high attrition and uh, a bad culture. So what's the impact? Uh, well, they, they're not happy. No, no, what's the impact? Too many people leaving. Okay, I can live with that. How many people? I don't know. They're losing a lot of money. How much money? I don't know. Well, then how do you know it's a big problem? Yeah. I don't know. Right? So you need pain. Oh, I'm sorry. You need a problem, right? But the pain of the problem comes from the impact. And that has to be defined because it's different for every single customer you have. So it, sh- it could have been they're losing, they have a 50% turnover rate. They have a six-month process uh, onboarding, and they have a year to, until they get to quota. And so people aren't even getting to their first quota, but they stop and rehire them again. They have 75 salespeople. They're losing 15 to 20 a year. It's costing them $22 million a year. They're missing quota by 10%, which is about, I'm making up numbers now, another $20 million a year. So they got $30 million mixed up in this thing if they don't fix it. Yep. That makes me, now, when you tell me that in a pipeline, I don't even have to ask you if this is going to close. <laughs> because if you can't close a deal where somebody's managing losing $30 million a year for your silly little product that only costs $50,000 a year, something's not right. Yeah, now you're, you're laying down, man. I love what you're saying. I, I, I'm a big believer in, in dollarizing like that. And I, 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 you've done it more succinctly than I ever have. This is something that I can tell you, Keenan. If the leaders start doing this in their CRM and in their pipeline reviews, they can't not sell more, right? No, they can't not. And here's yeah. the cool part. If you get someone and they tell you the problem and they tell you the impact, and, and that's the gap, by the way. The gap is that space between current state and future state. Today we have 20% attrition. We'd like to get it below three. Okay, how many people is that? How much money is that? That's the gap, right? But Cost for open territory, all that stuff, yeah. Yep. Yes. So to the extent that you can get a salesperson to describe this, if the gap is too small, you can say, you can say, you know, Jennifer, okay, they have a problem, but that's a pretty small gap. Why would, why do you think they're going to buy to solve that? That doesn't seem like worth solving. And she can stop chasing it. Love it. Yeah, I love it, dude. That's that's awesome. So the, that's a good enough. We're starting to run out, man. I, I knew we would. Every time I talk to you, it goes, I'm like, where does the time go? You just fire me up. I, how many Red Bulls does someone have to have to keep up with you, by the way, Keenan? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I even sh- had a Red Bull today. I've had no. I had nothing. I had a bowl of Raisin Bran. That's it. Man, so we're running low on time. I can't talk to you without not talking about your and mine, one of our very favorite topics. What is your thought on the state of how one-on-one coaching is done today with sales leaders? 
Oh, I think it's abysmal. I think it's abysmal. First, I don't, I don't think many leaders see their job as coaches. I think they see their job as managers yes. and as, 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 you know, slave drivers or freaking, you know, uh, whippers. Just whip them and yell at them and tell them what to do and tell them to get their shit together. And, and, you know, like the, you know, their job is just to tell them to do stuff. They don't recognize that their job is to develop the people. So I have to push pause. So just like, this is why I know you and me agree on this. We've talked about this offline and we haven't prepared for this, but I already know what you're going to say. I believe, and you and I have talked about it. You just gave me a process for gap selling. Take a customer from current state to future state. And then the size of that gap is the size of the problem. Did I get that right? Yep. It's not that different for a leader. You got to take reps from current state to future state and identify, you know, where are we, where we want to go and how do we get there? It's, being a sales leader ain't that different from being a sales rep if you accept the right role, or, or do you see it different than that? No, I actually really like how you put that. I, I absolutely really, really like how you put that. And if you think, if I, I, we started this whole thing where I said every transaction is, a, is about change. So arguably, if you want someone who's coachable, that person, the, the, the transaction is changing from where they are tomorrow to where they would like to be t- I'm sorry, from where they are today to where they would be tomorrow. And it's your job as a leader, one, to get them to buy into that journey, which is the sale, and then two, to help bring them along and move them along through what I've always talked about, observe, describe, prescribe, absorb, and apply. And that's your job. And if you can bring them along and they can improve and you can coach them, you don't have to yell and tell. The only time you have to yell and tell is when they're not bought into their own development. The only yeah. time. Yeah, I love it, dude. That's that's why when I was listening to you talking about, about gap selling, I imagine one of the reasons that you've been so effective with that is you've been really effective. Like, I'm a big fan, as you know, of your whole approach with observable moments. I, I think it's dead on. I think it's right. And you're creating effectively that same thing now with salespeople when they do gap selling. You've been a gap coach forever now you're creating gap selling I, I see it as an extension and that's why i was so excited to have you on because i believe that coaching is this place that touches damn near every part of a sales organization if you're smart about it so, yes yes you're smart Look, my it. patriots my patriots Woo-hoo! yes go pat right? i mean they just literally are going to their third super bowl in a row the fourth one in six years, wait, five years, fourth one in five years, I believe, right? With a completely different team every time except for Brady, right? Thank you. With a completely different team every time except for Brady and Belichick, including different coaches, right? Yes, yes. And I honestly believe it's for two reasons. One, which I think is very difficult to emulate, is it's the cultural environment that Belichick has created and is unwavering unwavering approach to it. He will not bend on that, which I think is the hardest part for most people. And then secondly, he understands the people. So he takes the people, he coaches them, he develops them, but then he uses them in the right spot. He, he, he creates positions for people to be successful. He doesn't take a person and says, this is what you are and put you in. An example is, um, Oh shoot, uh, that big huge wide receiver, Cardell, no, oh my god, I just had his name. Doesn't matter. No one else knew how to use him. He comes in here, Belichick knew exactly how to use him. Yeah. Punt returner, uh, yeah. jet sweep kind of guy, etc. He, yeah. he just develops people for what they got and maximizes those skills. 
He's a coach, not a yeller. So if there's a best practice, because we're low on it now, if there's one thing, you've given us a great kind of blueprint for leaders on how to start being Gap uh, Sales Org. If a, if a leader wants to up their coaching game, is there like a one or two tips that you'd give them just to be adding to the, their approach to their, to their reps? Yeah, I think there's two things. Two things really simple, right? If, if, if a leader just commits to these two things, they can't help but get better. The first one is be very, 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 very clear on the skill sets that you need in your organization in the specific role. So whether it's an SDR or an AE or an AM or a customer service rep, or whatever the case may be, be very, very clear and write down the skills required to be successful and be specific and don't freaking say SAS experience. I didn't ask for experience. I want skills. <laughs> skills, dumbasses. Skills. Hey, right? for, the, for the dumbasses, give them an example of a skill just so we're clear. Just so a, we're clear. <laughs> yeah, a skill, for, a skill, let's say, could be um, uh, cold calling, right, is a skill, right? Um, another skill could be listening. Another skill could be the ability to challenge or overcome objections. Another skill could be yes. um, their email writing skills. How do they, unless you give them templates, they have to write their own emails. How do they write their emails? Are they good at it or shitty at it? Right? We actually make, we make people submit. Here's a scenario. How would you write emails for this? Right? That's a skill. Once you understand those skills, the only other thing you got to do is be really good at observing. Find yourself or put yourself in a position to observe the skills. If you do those two well, you really shouldn't mess up the other one. But the last one would be just, then what do you do with what you see and how do you help them? Those are both awesome, dude. I, you know, it's, it's amazing to me how many people don't realize you've got to observe. You know, I had, a, I had a customer in my office, new to his job, and he's like, he looked at me, he's like, Jepson, what should I do? You know what I told him? I'll be interested if you agree with this, Kenan. I said, because he has a small enough team that he can do this. I said, I want you on calls with every single one of your reps before you and I talk again, and then we'll talk about what we do next. But don't be an enigma to him. You've got to be able to, to diagnose before you prescribe. And if you're just looking at him in terms of a report, you don't have any idea what your team is. Yep. Yep. That's great advice. Yeah, you've got to watch. You know how much film time? Belichick, even this new guy who for the Rams is his their head coach. People say he's a he's a the new Belichick. He is just yeah. fanatical at film, twenty four seven. He's observing. It's information. Get the information. Look for trends. Look for behaviors. Look for responses. Just look, watch, and listen. So, dude, we're way out of time. And to you, my man Keenan, I say thank you. And to you, my listeners, I say you're welcome <laughs> for giving you access to this guy, Keenan. I'm going to finish with you the way I finish with everyone, bro. I, I wish that I – like, I'm going to have you on again. The, the podcast is growing fast and getting bigger because guys like you, we're going to get bigger. So I, I want you back, bro, here in a few months, just so you know. My uh, pleasure. Thank you. Here's, here is question one. We ask every single person, and your perspective will be great because you work with leaders around the world. I mean, I, I watch you. You're traveling the world, okay? What is the toughest leadership challenge you've seen, and how do you attack it? I think recognition – ooh, that's a tough one. I'm going to uh, – that's the toughest two that I want to say. I'm going to go – the recognition of what leadership is actually about. Tell me what you mean by that so, we, so our listeners know exactly where you're going. I think most people, consciously or subconsciously, see leadership as about driving people to, to doing something. I'm the boss. you got to get this done. you got to do this, right? 
I'm the boss and I'm driving you as opposed to I'm an enabler. My job is to support you. My job is to get you what you need. My job is to clear hurdles. My job is to develop you. My job is to give you information and insight that's going to make you better so that you can succeed, right? My job is to enable you to success, not drive you to success. So how do you attack it then? Sort of like I said before, right? It's the, it's, you got to observe and you, you got like, I love, it's overused, but I love the concept servant leadership. Yep. Right. You got to serve your team and you got to figure that out for yourself, how you serve your team. But I think that's the biggest problem with it. Most people don't see it. They some talk about it, but most people don't really see it and understand how to do it. I think that's great advice. I think that's a great challenge that if we're honest, most of our leaders that are listening to you right now, they're either dealing with that now or they have had to deal with it in the past or else they haven't been a leader very long. Fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And look, go all the way up. When's the last time we all have quarterly business reviews? We all have these meetings where everybody's got to go tell the leadership what's going on. And the higher you go up into billion dollar companies, you have, you know, all of the division heads and they come in out of each division and they all get together and they tell the leader what, and all the other leaders sitting around what they achieved and what's going on and what their new initiatives are and what's this and what's that. When's the last time you saw anything where there was a system set up? where the leader could go in and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, or I need help with this, or this isn't working, how can I get support? Like, I, I, I've never seen anything formal. The good ones have an informal process, but you know, you don't really see pretty opportunities for people to say, I'm screwing up, I need help. Yeah, no, you're right. This is good advice, dude. You're, you're, you are not disappointing, Keenan. And I can only imagine what it would be if you were on some Red Bulls already, okay? Let's go to the last one, dude. We, we, uh, we are the sales leadership podcast. You know, we, we really try hard to bring leadership, uh, advice, tactics, uh, every now and then it's guys like you that work with leaders. Most of the time it's people that are actually, actually leading teams. Um, and we find that leaders that are good, the high growth leaders, they never stop trying to learn. Uh, they never ever stop trying to learn. What we found is leaders are readers. Uh, I know there's two books that should be on everybody's, uh, library, but I want to give you a, sh- a chance to give a shout on what should be in a leader's library? One or two books that are top of your mind that, that ought to be there. And, and it ought to start with not taught and gap selling. And if that's what you want to talk about quickly, that's fine. But whatever you think, what should they be reading right now? Well, of course, those two. But in addition, uh, Execution by Larry Bossidy and Ram Sharon. I love that book. That is a killer book, by the way. Yep. Okay. Yep. Those three will all make it on our, on our uh, library, on our, on our website. Okay, Keenan, we've gone long. You've given us a great gift today. Um, how do they get more of you? Now, there's a lot of people right now that, that I'm sure that most have heard of you, but how do we make sure they get more of you? How do they follow you? How do they buy your book? Uh, how, how do they get what you're putting down? You can go to salesguy.com. You can find everything on me there. You can also go to, uh, I'm all over LinkedIn at Keenan dot because they make me put the dot, so Keenan Dot, and you can, and then I'm on Instagram, if you, yeah, and it, yeah, if you go Keenan, or even Jim Keenan, you can't help but not find me. Okay. He is, uh, he's an icon in the sales world. Uh, as I listen to you today, all I think about is we just heard from DJ Khaled, because all you do is win, baby, and, uh, and if you apply the gap selling principles, you'll win as a salesperson uh, in chasing deals, uh, and you'll win as a leader and chasing people development by going from current state to future state. Jim, it's been an honor to have you on our show. It's been so fun to just talk uh, leadership with you. Thank you so much for joining us, my friend, and happy selling. Thanks, baby. I really appreciate it.
Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? And I knew the conversation with Keenan was going to be awesome. I knew it was going to be timely and I knew it was going to fire me up. I hope it fires you up. Uh, we generally try to have the guests on the show be people that are actively leading sales teams right now. But from time to time, we'll bring in experts and big voices and people that as leaders you also need to be hearing from. And the book Gap Selling is doing so well and getting so much attention that bringing Keenan on was exactly the right move at the right time as you get started with this year. And there's a few things that I think that the Gap Selling thing we should really make sure we hone in on. Keenan made a lot of awesome statements. This is an episode you should go back and listen to. Gap Selling is absolutely a book you need to get your hands on. Um, but he started with selling is too tactical. And I think he's right. We're so worried about what we do that we don't really focus on on what we do to really be impactful. And I also loved what he said early on that product is too um, selling is too product centric, and that we really almost pay lip service to what their current situation is, and then quickly pivot to what it is that we want to do or what we're here for. And and I think many times. We have kind of this feeling that we got to justify why we're on the phone with them, or we got to justify why we're talking to them. And we got to remember buy sign number one from any for any salesperson. Right? There are three buy signs. Buy sign number one is always that you get calendar time. Calendar time is the most precious thing that they have. And if someone gives you a moment of their time and gives you any time to be on the calendar. Our most important mission should be to find out what it was that made them willing to part with that. And I think that's absolutely in the spirit of gap selling. Keenan does a great job of, of really identifying that the gap is about the distance between current state and desired future state. And you know, I, I love this because he talks about the lens that we look through as the world of your buyer. And for a long time, I've talked about dollarizing. I've made a lot of videos about it. And he gap selling is dollarizing on steroids. And and I love that he talked about that most organizations, and he called me out. He took me to school, man, and, and kudos to Keenan for doing it. He hasn't found a company that's ever had problem training. I'm only aware of one. We had him on as a guest on our show, Jake Hugely of Zions. I know that they spent a lot of time on problem training, not product training. And if you go back and listen to that interview, he'll tell you just what a game changer it was. And so I'm with Keenan. We got to have product training and since and problem training. Sorry, and and since I did that interview, we have invested and made a lot of moves around making sure that we do a better job training on problems. And I can tell you, it's already made a difference. And it's only been a week since I talked to him. And so let me give you a framework that I think is really interesting. If you want to make it easier for your guys to to uh, to start using the gap approach and start dollarizing the size of the current state versus the future state. And that's what you want to do. You want to size that problem. And it's really easy. What is it? What is, you know, what is the thing that we're here to talk about? What's the value of it today? Uh, what do you want it to be? What's the value of the difference? And what's the value of the difference over time? And so just think of whatever it is you sell and, and apply that to, to a problem. So for me, selling solutions to sales leaders, there's so many things that we could talk about. We could have the problem be turnover. You know, last year, a third of salespeople switched jobs. It might be forecast accuracy um, because last year, only 46% of the deals that were in commit actually closed. 
But what I'm going to pick is percent hitting quota. Let's pretend you're one of those deals that's, you're one of those companies that's like the average that only 42% of your team hit quota. So if we were talking, we might say, well, what is it? Well, I got to fix this percent hitting quota. Well, what's the value of it today? It's 42%. What do you want it to be? Something more than that. I, ideally, I'm on the hook to get around 60% of my people to quota this year. And I, I don't get to lower quota. I've got a bigger quota, and i got to figure out how to get more with the people that I have. Hmm, I can see that. Uh, what's the value of that? So that going from 42% to 60 I can tell you what it is in percentage points. But what does it do for you in sales? And all of a sudden, we start having a really interesting conversation about the value that's there, and then we finish it. What's the difference? What's the value over time? Let's look at it over a three-year period of time. If you could create that, what does that do financially? What does that do culturally? What does that do retention-wise? There's, there's so many places it takes you. And, and I think the biggest mistake that we fall into when we try to take Keenan's gap approach or this dollarizing approach is we confuse dollarizing the gap with the ROI. I was on a uh, podcast with uh, Brandon Bernanson. Uh, earlier this week, and he, I shared dollarizing as my favorite tactic, and he said, oh, so it's just ROI. I said, no, it is not ROI. ROI is about your product. And if you learned anything from Keenan, it's that gap selling and dollarizing is about the problem. Size the problem. Is this a problem we're solving? Okay. When you're done with those impact five impact questions, you can ask three uh, 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 other questions around urgency. Okay. When do you want to have this happen? What happens if you do, and what other solutions, what other options are you looking at? That's a really great way to transition uh, from the gap part to the what do we do about it part. And if you do that, you can avoid that whole ROI problem. You can avoid pivoting into product too soon. Because I, I really think that if you go back and listen to Keenan, he was passionate about the need to live in the problem. Immerse yourself in the problem, he said. He said, eat, sleep, and bathe in the problem. And I think that the biggest problem we, we have as, as salespeople is we got to resist that urge to pivot to our product. So as leaders, uh, my challenge to you today is, is listen to Keenan, go get gap selling, uh, read it, uh, have your, your team start looking at that. I think that he's got a great new way of thinking. If nothing else, if you can have your team start thinking about the size of the problem, how, the current state, where are you now and why is it a challenge? Why does it matter? you will almost instantly see your conversations improve. And if there's one thing I've learned as a salesperson, as a sales leader, the people who have the best conversations have the most success. So shout out to Keenan. Go get gap selling. Follow him on a sales guy. Um, and as always, don't worry. Just execute because we got you. And happy selling. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit, the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.